0: Our scripture this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 66, verses 10 through 14. Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast." That you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. For thus says the Lord, I will extend prosperity to her like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and be carried on her arm. And dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child. So I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your body shall flourish like the grass, and it shall be known that the hand of the Lord is with his servants, and his indignation is against his enemies. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was the summer of 1969, and the creators of the children's television show, Sesame Street, were just six weeks away from the air date of the first episode. To make sure they had a successful product, the producers created five full-length episodes that would be screened by children. The results were not what they expected. In making the show, the producers had followed the advice of child psychologists who said they needed to separate the fantasy elements of the show from the real elements. In other words, when there were real human beings on the screen, the talking puppets should be nowhere in sight. The psychologists worried that mixing fantasy and reality would be misleading to the children who were watching. The problem was that the kids who tested the show lost interest every time there was a scene with only human actors. The producers knew the show would never be successful if the audience's attention waxed and waned. So they defied the psychologists. They created puppets that could walk and talk and interact with human beings on the street and they reshot all the street scenes. That's how Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, and Snuffleupagus were born. In our Back to the Future sermon series this fall, we are examining our ancestors' experiences of exile and return to see what they have to teach us about this particular moment in our faith journey. A moment when we've all gone through, when we're still going through, a monumental upheaval a moment when we're making our way toward a future that looks and feels different from the past. One of the things we are learning about the exile and return is how this seminal event shaped not only the Israelites' lives, but their theological imagination, how they understood and talked about and envisioned God. We find evidence of this renewed theological imagination in the prophets who wrote during and after the exile, most notably the prophet Isaiah, who offers God's people new images for God to try to explain who God is and who they are as human beings created in God's own image. The description we heard today of God as a nurturing, nursing mother might have been a little jarring. Even now, these are not images we frequently use to describe God. But to the people who first heard it, steeped as they were in an incredibly patriarchal culture, that description of God would have required a huge leap in imagination not unlike the leap required of the Sesame Street producers to put puppets in the same scenes as human actors. For the last few weeks, out on the church playground at 4.45 on Sunday evenings, we've been gathering with the children of our congregation and talking with them about images of God. We use images to help us better understand or make sense of something that can be difficult to grasp, Images help us communicate in ways that words simply cannot. And when we use images to teach children theological concepts, we are not only teaching them something about God, but about who they are as God's beloved children made in God's image. So we've talked with them about what it means to say that God is like an artist or a shepherd or a loving parent. Such images are offered to us throughout scripture in the prophets and the Psalms and in the words of Jesus, who used them to teach people about God. These images help us glimpse something foundational and true about who God is and how God cares for God's people for us. But these images of God were never static they were not received all at once, as if God handed Adam and Eve a photo album and said, here's everything you need to know about me. Rather, for thousands of years, our forebearers have gotten to know God through experiences and encounters that we can read about in Scripture. The call of Abram and Sarai, Moses leading the people through the Red Sea, and Miriam dancing when they were free. Jacob's vision of a ladder to heaven and his all-night wrestling match with an angel, Joseph's conflict and reconciliation with his brothers, Deborah's wisdom as a judge, David's experiences as a king. All of these people and the stories we have of them shape our understanding of who God is and of whom God calls. When we draw images from throughout our scriptures, we bear witness to this evolution and transformation of our forebear's faith and understanding. And one of the ways to trace these changes is to look at the images they used for God. Knowing this, it shouldn't surprise us that the prophets seeking to speak a word of comfort to God's people invite those people time and again to expand their imagination, to discover new ways of thinking about who God is and who God calls us to be. Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad for her, all who love her, the prophet proclaims. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her. Isaiah was writing to a people who'd been longing for 50 years to return to Jerusalem, which was more than just their home. But when the first exiles returned, instead of a glorious homecoming, they encountered more suffering, famine, political infighting, economic oppression. After decades of waiting and anticipating this return, it must have been devastating. Can you imagine their weariness? at discovering the work that lay ahead to return their lives and their homeland to what it had once been, and then their dismay at the slow realization that there would be no returning to what there was before. Yes, I think we can imagine. We know what it feels like to look to the past for comfort and to discover that what once offered comfort no longer satisfies. We know what it feels like to be searching for a new path, a new way to express old longings, but then find that the way forward is less than clear. A few years ago, Derek and I had learned that a colleague and friend had been diagnosed with lung cancer. He wrote about the experience of going to the pharmacy to pick up his first round of medication. The experience, he wrote, was nothing short of surreal. Weeks of tests, scans, biopsies, waiting, sleepless nights, crying, rallying, oodles of love and support, and it all led up to a rather mundane, everyday transaction. A guy walking up to a pharmacy counter, giving his name, and being handed a small bag with a bottle of pills inside. To the casual observer, he could have been picking up cough medicine or one-hour photos, back when that was a thing. When he was finished, the clerk who rang him up said, "'Any more questions?' And he answered, "'Yes.' "'Would you bless this for me?' The split-second look that crossed the clerk's face said three things. One, no one's ever asked me to do that before. Two, yeah, I'll bless it for you, why wouldn't I? And three, I have absolutely no idea what to say or do to bless a bottle of pills. But he held the bag up over the counter and waited. She paused for a beat made up her mind, and then did a beautiful, polite bow toward the medicine. And as she did so, she threw in a hand flourish for good measure. Some situations, some circumstances require us to expand our imagination, to find new ways to articulate how God shows up for us, and to find new ways to respond to God's call. To the Israelites returning from exile, the prophet extends an invitation for them to do the last thing they probably felt like doing in the face of so much disappointment and hardship, to rejoice with Jerusalem, this mother whose children had finally returned, and to seek from her the nurture and nourishment for which they have longed. Now, the prophets using the metaphor of a woman for Jerusalem and a mother, that's not new. But what comes next is totally unexpected. Because the prophet then extends this image of a loving, comforting mother beyond the city to God. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, God promises. Your heart shall rejoice and your bodies shall flourish. The prophet is saying it is not a city where you should look for comfort, not any particular place or ritual or way of life. Comfort does not come from a place or a person. True comfort comes from God, and to recognize God We will have to open our minds, expand our imaginations, and when we do, we will discover God in people and places we never imagined. There is a hallway in the west wing of the White House where some of the many pictures taken by the president's staff photographer are hung up. Typically, those pictures are swapped out on a regular basis But in the first Obama administration, there was one picture that had an unusually long stint on the wall, because every time it was taken down, staff requested that it be put back up. The picture shows a five-year-old black boy, sharply dressed, standing in front of the resolute desk in the Oval Office. The president is bent at the waist in front of him so that the boy's hand stretched out rests on the president's head. The boy's hand is obscuring most of his face, but you can see his eyes, and they are wide open with amazement and wonder. On the side of the picture, you can see the members of the boy's family watching this exchange with delight. The boy's name is Jacob Philadelphia, and he was in the Oval Office that day because his father, who had been working on the national security staff, was leaving his job at the White House for a new post. It was common on such an occasion for the staff person and their family members to come to the Oval Office for a photograph with the president, a kind of parting gift. Philadelphia had come with his wife and two sons, and after the picture had been taken of the family and the president, as they turned to leave, he told the president that each of his sons had a question for him. Five-year-old Jacob asked his question first. I want to know if my hair is like yours, he said shyly. In response, Obama said, why don't you touch it and see for yourself? He leaned over, but Jacob hesitated. Touch it, dude, Obama encouraged, and Jacob lifted his hand. The photographer snapped one picture just at the moment Jacob rested his hand on the president's head. So what do you think, Obama asked. Yes, it does feel the same, Jacob said. When that picture was hung on the wall in the West Wing, it became an important stop on the tours that staff members would give their friends and family. Reflecting on why it was so beloved, the photographer Pete Souza said, I think people are struck by the fact that the president of the United States was willing to bend down and let a little boy feel his head. Obama's chief of staff, David Axelrod, had a slightly different take. Really, what Jacob was saying is, gee, you're just like me. And it doesn't take a big leap to think that child could be thinking, maybe I could be here someday. Images matter. They're how we make sense of the world. They're how we form a sense of our individual and collective identity. As the prophets know, images are critical in helping us understand and imagine God. On this World Communion Sunday, as we gather around Christ's table with Christians from around the world may we remember there is no single image that can capture God. The people made in God's image teach us that, for we are every color, every gender, every nationality, every sexuality, every shape and size and type, even every political party and if we can allow our imaginations to expand so that every type of person can see that God is just like them, and that they, in all of the fullness of their quirky, unique humanity, reveal something unique about God, just imagine what our world could become. Amen.